Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome, y'all, to another Core Parenting Conversation with Kaylee. And today I have Dominica from her page, Dog Meets Baby. And I'm just going to say it right now. If you have a dog and you have a baby, a child, or you're expecting, you need to follow her page. It's, in my opinion, basic safety for parents in their households. And so I am so excited to have her on today to offer her wisdom So welcome, Dominica. I can't wait to jump into this for parents. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, Dominica. I'm the founder of Dog Meets Baby. And I've been doing it now for two and a half years. I started, it's my pandemic baby. (laughs) I started (laughs) April 2020. And it's been a great learning experience for me as well now that my account has grown and people share a lot with me. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you when you started your account, because I think I must have found you that summer, the summer of Mm -hmm. 2020. So just when you were in the infancy and I've, I've had the excitement of watching you grow and I was like, why doesn't this exist? I mean, what you thought of offering people the information, it's just brilliance. Because I think parents have this idea, a lot of us, if we're animal people, dog people, we get dogs before we have kids. And we think that we're just going to bring the baby home and the dog is going to embrace the baby. And (laughs) (laughs) And some do, some do. It's not, you know, there are many people who are going to be okay, even if they don't follow any rules and the dog will be very forgiving. But there are many people who already have dogs with issues or they are just more aware of what might happen. And I would say these are the followers, um, people who just want to learn more or have dogs with um, issues or just like learning about dog behavior. Yeah, I think we've we've had a lot of side conversations and I've reached out to you when we were traveling and I saw some things in public that just my kids were around that made me really nervous and different situations like going into homes and seeing children interacting with their dogs or maybe bringing my own kids around other dogs. And I think that this is just really important general safety, what I consider safety information. And so much of my platform is we've got to take care of safety first. And then we can work on, you know, the connection and that part of the relationship. And then we can help our children develop skills. And so I think, and I I see your account and you kind of operate the same way. Like first things first, we got to keep everybody safe. 
in these yes. interactions. <laughs> well, these these are what people often forget about is the, that these are animals with instincts. And, you know, many people tend to see dogs as children. Yes. You know, we call ourselves dog mom or dog dad. And, that, and before we have kids, it is often our fur child or fur baby. And those are animals that can or can, they will act as animals. And when they are scared or they are done tolerating a behavior that they don't like, they will show it with their body. And that's often growling or snarling or snapping or biting. It's not this is a normal dog conversation, which of course is not what we want to see when we have children. But a lot of times what people don't understand is that the dog communicates all the time. And, and it's not, it's almost never out of nowhere. Well, two things you just said that I really want to pull out for people and, and highlight. Number one is dogs are acting on instincts, right? And, and animal instincts oftentimes so are our children. Our children are very instinctual. They're very impulsive and they're reading energy into the room. And so when you get two creatures together, you know, a a toddler, a young child, a baby and a dog, you've got two critters with these really beautiful brains that are acting on impulse and instinct and don't have the filters in place that we have. Yes. And also what's important to understand is that the dogs were bred for something. You know, most most people, yeah, you can have a mix, but still there will be a breed and that could be retrieving or that could <laughs> be hunting or that could be chasing and killing. That's what they were bred for. And, you know, in certain situations that instinct, if let's say a fast running child will be running and the dog will be chasing, it can happen that this dog will be triggered into, oh, I'm chasing prey. You know, that it's so interesting you bring up that example. That happened to me. It's one of my earliest memories. We didn't have a dog until I was about 11 or 12 in my house, but we were at a friend's house with a dog and we were swimming in their pool I've lived in South Florida my whole life. And so that's just what you do. (laughs) And the dog was out with us and I was running around the pool, which, okay, safety hazard in and of itself. But I started, like I got out on one side, I ran around. Well, the dog started chasing me and it was a black lab, sweet thing, you know, it scared me because I was maybe four. So I got afraid. So what did I do? I ran faster on my instinct. Well, the dog then jumped on me and I, I remember the pain of smacking my head on the concrete. And in that circumstance, you know, the dog was acting on instinct and so was I. I was scared. I was trying to get away from the dog and the dog was doing what it was bred to do. And that was to chase and retrieve. And I probably, you know, looked like something that needed to be gotten, so to speak. And, you know, we also don't know the the dog's previous previous experiences and, and the training the dog has had because, you know, or maybe the dog was just what happened that day, right? The dog maybe was totally overstimulated by people swimming. Yes, 
it's something that you like. So when I have sessions with uh, private clients, we always and something happened. Let's say that dog bit a child, and we always look at what happened earlier that day. Most bites happen in the afternoon or evening. So wow. <laughs> it's just my, you know, I'm sure there is no. This is just my experience. It's anecdotal, so it's not. <laughs> it's not something that probably was research, but that's you know that's if I had to. Every time I ask the question, it's pretty much always afternoon or evening. But it's when we look at the experiences or when we look what happened that day, it's no surprise that it happened because the dog was approached multiple times or there were guests in the house and there was food on the table and there was another dog that doesn't live there typically. So the dog was just triggered on many levels with the noise and new people and another dog in the house and and maybe the dog was possessive of food and there was a lot of food. And then that child, the dog is under the table and the child gets to the dog's level and the dog is like, well, (laughs) I'm already on edge. You're not taking my food (laughs) from me. Or even like the possibility that the food might fall. And that's when things often happen. And, you know, the parents a lot of times are like, oh my God, we, you know, like it's so clear to us that the dog was not okay for hours. Oh. And sometimes, you know, it's like the dog was not exercised because everybody was cooking because it was a holiday, right? So it's just, or the weather was really bad and no one went outside and the dog was cooped up for days. Yeah. And this is why I wanted to, this is the perfect time of year. I wanted to have you on because this is the season, right? And now we've had maybe two years where we weren't traveling as much or not gathering in quite as big of groups. And so taking into consideration, the holidays are coming up and we're going to be in other people's homes or maybe have other people in our homes different locations, whether or not we're bringing our dog with us or we're visiting a house with another dog that, you know, it might be your aunt or your uncle's dog, but our kids don't know that dog that well. And so just being aware of all these variables and creating, having conversations and creating certain safety boundaries and signs, because the other point before we jump into what parents can do to prepare and what those conversations sound like, The other thing, you have this graphic on your profile and every time you share it, I share it because it's the ladder of aggression. And in children, I hate to keep drawing the comparison between dogs and children, but I call them low simmering behaviors. Before the child has the meltdown, they give us, they have these early warning signs, right? Of whining or being super clingy or controlling or rigid, you know, not full scale blowups but definitely challenging behaviors with dogs. And this is something that is so incredibly powerful about your accounts. You show these early warning signs in dogs. You show the lower levels of aggression. So what are, you know, before the dog growls, snarls, snaps, bites, there are other early warning signs in their body language that could tell us like, wow, this dog needs a break. Like they need, or they need to walk, or they need to go outside, or they need time in their home, you know, their kennel, or what have you to create that safety. So, what are some of those? When you look at the dog's body, you want to analyze it in in the context because it's it's you know it's like if if the dog is with you and your partner, and it's going to be different than being around 
children, let's say five toddlers that your dog has just met, right? So it's just to always look at the context. Then you, we always want to look at the whole body, not just like one. Like a lot of times people focus on, oh, the tail is wagging, the dog likes it, right? Well, not not always, not every type of wagging means the dog is happy. So, but the, the, we just have to focus on the whole body, not just one tail or ears. And then we look at the individual dog, because if you have a muscular dog, they're going to look tense <laughs> to many people because of how they're built, right? So it's just, it's not always the same. You you need to, like when I look at the videos, I always ask people for the baseline. So can you send me a video of your dog when your dog is doing something relaxing or just chilling or just hanging around? So I know what I'm looking at. Because sometimes the ears are always up for some dogs. It's like, it's, that's their natural position. And they always look alert while they're not. So the common signals or signs would be if your dog is not tired and starts yawning, if your dog starts suddenly like is itchy, but it's actually not itchy or suddenly starts sniffing the ground and you know that there is nothing and there was nothing before and your dog suddenly chooses to sniff, focus on something else. If your dog tenses up, so you have the mouth is closed or your dog starts looking away, like someone approaches or reaches and your dog looks away or doesn't make eye contact and you see that the dog's body is not inviting, they're haven't approached you with a waggy tail and loose body and like happy open mouth. Instead, they just sit there, tense body, looking away. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's easy to, like once you start noticing it, it will become second nature and it's very hard to unsee it, but it takes a while to start seeing those signals and really like spotting them. But it's something that you can definitely learn. Well, and you know, what's interesting is as you're talking about this, I'm thinking of attunements and I teach attuning to our children so much. And this is something I truly didn't know that parents didn't understand how to do with their children until I started working with large number of parents because I just naturally attune. And in fact, I've shared on my account, I over attuned to my first when he was born, right? It was an over, I over responded and would like melt down when he would cry when he was an infant. I just couldn't handle the cries. But it's kind of the, it sounds like it's the same with dog. You're reading their energy and their body language and you're watching for these. I can't, you know, so many times, even my dog, sometimes when the boys get too rowdy in the house, he'll start giving me signals of like, I'm done with this, mom. Like, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, me yeah. too. I get that. You know, I get that. Yes. And it's, it's not always like, uh, of course your dog will, co dogs communicate all the time. It's not like my dog is always thrilled with what my kids do, especially when we have play dates. Yes. And it's not always that I have to like, be like alert and intervene, but it's good to acknowledge that and know that, okay, she like the kids should not be near her. It's not that I necessarily have to remove my dog, 
but this is not really the time when she wants to hang out with them or, or in any way interact. And they definitely should not be all over her. Right. If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month to month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on demand parenting support. So you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. Something that you said you post multiple times on, in your stories, I pr- say pretty regularly, is the dog won't always move when they're stressed. We assume that the dog will move away if they're uncomfortable. And that, in fact, is not the case. No, <laughs> no, because a lot of times you're there. So it's almost like they're choosing like less evil. <laughs> like it's like, it's, it's like, it's stressful to be away from you. It's more stressful that, that staying close to you. Sometimes they are trapped. It may not look the dog on a couch to many people. It looks like, yeah, but the dog can move away. It's not like it's trapped. To a dog, when you have something behind you and someone is in front of you, that's enough to feel cornered. They don't have to be cornered. It's enough that they feel cornered. It could be that it's their spot. It's, you know, that's where they like to hang out. That's, I mean, it could be their bed. It could be their couch. It's, it's, it's just like they're the sunny spot in the house that they like, and they just don't want to move. Like why, (laughs) like, it's just not, you know, like, like moving from that spot, it's a resource. They don't want to give up that resource. So it's very, very complicated why they don't move. It can be, yeah, some dogs are really anxious and they don't necessarily want to be somewhere else. It's just being here is still better, but they will stay there while they get worse, right? Like they, they're showing signs of stress until they can get to a point where it's just too much (laughs) and they might snap or bite or growl. But yeah, don't, like some dogs will do it, 100%. That's what they will do. That's their choice. The moment they, they don't like something, they will just walk away. And you can train it. It's possible that your dog will, over time, learn to remove themselves. But just know that if your dog is very bonded with you and generally more on the anxious side, they're probably not going to leave you. And sometimes there's another uh, reason is that the dog is actually worried about you. You are their oh, resource yeah. and they're worried that that child, when the, ch- the way they see the world is like to simplify it, it's like safe, unsafe, neutral. When they see the child as unsafe to you, and you're the resource that's worth protecting, they will stay there because they are worried about you. So that can happen too. 
I think that's such an important mind shift for parents to have just an understanding that interaction is that sometimes the dog isn't going to move. And so sometimes we have to either help the dog move or move the child. And it's so funny because I'm picturing my dog. I have like a big mutt hound mix. He's like, he's a big mutt. He's adorable. But sometimes when the kids get too rowdy, he'll kind of play with it for a little while. You know, he'll like it. And then when he gets too much, he'll bounce over to the door and he'll just sit there and look at me with these big eyes. I'm like, all right, buddy, time to go. (laughs) So he's he's kind of trained himself. Well, we train, you know, because that's what I would do just I would put, he likes being outside. I'd put him outside if the kids were getting noisy. And so now it's kind of his automatic response, but my children are now five and seven. You know, he's had a lot of years of practice of this. Well, and you helped him, right? Like you were removing him on a consistent basis. Now think about the parent or a caregiver that doesn't do it. The dog is showing signs of stress and they don't remove the dog. What the dog can learn over time is actually that snapping it's super effective to keep me safe. And then they will start snapping more. It's just, it's a learned behavior. It can be a learned behavior. Okay, so what are, since I think we've talked about some major points of just understanding dogs in general, whether it's your own dog or whether it's a a relative's dog or maybe you go over to a, a play date, you know, for a play date and they have a dog. What are some basic conversations, especially if you're traveling and you're gonna bring your dog or staying with relatives that have a dog that maybe, and I just want people to know that as someone who has kids and a dog, it doesn't necessarily mean my kids know how to act and interact with a different dog in a different environment. I don't take that for granted. So what are some ground rules you set or some proactive conversations parents can have with relatives to just make sure everybody's safe and the dog-kid combo isn't a stressor during the holidays and traveling? (laughs) Yes. So you always, let's say you have a dog and they have a dog and the dogs have not met, then assuming both, both dogs have been socialized, they're friendly, I would still introduce them in a neutral space without the children. So you always want to break it down. Not everyone in a tight hallway. Oh gosh, meeting, no. right? Not, yeah. Right. So it's just it's very important that we we have a plan for that meeting. And ideally, you know, the dogs meet in the backyard or in a park, just so it's a neutral territory. If you know that your dog might be protective of something then it would be important, okay, can you make sure that anything that your dog might protect is not there? So whether it's um, toys or any chew toys or my sister-in-law, she free feeds the dog, meaning that there is food kibble everywhere in every, pretty much every room. And (laughs) well, the dogs, her dogs are a little bit protective of that food. That's one thing. But also my dog, I have a lab, you know, what she will do, she will just like vacuum the whole She's place, like, right? She's like, a buffet. And, <laughs> well, and it happened a few times. So, you know, for me, it was just like before we were traveling, we were visiting her. It was like, okay, please make sure that you pick up all the dishes from the floor so your dogs are not protective and we don't have a fight. And I also don't want my dog to get sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fair <laughs> so it's it's just like you know like like communication about the 
like, I mean, to me, to me, these are safety rules, but it's, it's something that I would check. Then, I mean, if there are small children involved and their dog, especially if it's a big dog or it's an older dog, or it's a dog that hasn't been around small children, right? It's good to assume that maybe this dog doesn't like children, right? Like doesn't feel safe around children or comfortable around children. Then I would have a I would have a plan for that, and sometimes it, it's a tricky one because I know that many people don't feel comfortable asking, like, okay, can you install the baby gate? And so what I was doing, and and some people will not do it. So what I was doing with my sister in law, I was just bringing an um, playpen when my kids were like a, like a travel playpen. And that's what we did. We were bringing the playpen, we're setting it up in the space. And that's how I was keeping the kids safe because realistically, I'm not going to be able to hold my kids the whole time. And of course, you know, they were typically giving us a room and and we're making sure the dogs were not allowed in this room. But if we all wanted to hang out together and you cannot really count on the family or the friends having a baby gate, then bring your equipment if you can or order it to their house. And that's what some people do as well. Yeah, I think those physical barriers just from like a realistic standpoint, and I'm envisioning we actually a lot of times we'll go to my aunt's house for Thanksgiving and she has an older black lab who does not like kids. He's kind of grumpy. And you know what? Like he has every right. He didn't grow up to around kids. Yeah. He wasn't socialized with them. It's his territory. He is very territorial of bones, food, like all that stuff. And so when I would go with my two young boys, it was very much those physical boundaries, the playpen, you know, and they have multiple floors. So that was really nice. The dog could be in the basement, which people hung out in the basement. So we weren't like uber isolating the dog all the time but the kids would be on the middle floor with us or we would go outside the dog. So it was this constant kind of just rotating through the rooms so that when we were actually in the rooms, we could relax. We weren't on edge the whole time trying to field a disaster because especially when the kids are crawling, I feel like, or just toddling exactly. around and walking. That's the, that's the very tricky age. And you're oh. not going to... You're not going to, I mean, you know it. You're not going to explain to your child. No, they don't not, understand it, right? <laughs> they don't understand. They're not going like that. That's not something. And we also have the holidays. So there are other people in the house, right? Like that your aunt's dog was already territorial. So having people and having food, more food available was probably very triggering to that dog. So it's good to remember that the change in routine, many dogs really like their routines. Some are flexible, some are not. And any change in their routine can also make the dog more anxious or on edge. And that's when they're more likely to have a reaction. So holidays, if you talk to ER doctors, that's when they definitely see an uptick in bite cases to young children. And a lot of times it's just that, like, I mean, you, you know it as a parent as well. It's There is a lot going on and, and the cooking and the noise, especially if you have several young children running everywhere. It's just as much as, as fun as it is, it can be very overstimulating. To everybody. To, to everybody. kids and parents and dogs, yes. And even the best dog can get to a point where 
that's just too much. And maybe the weather is not great and no one was able to take the dog outside. And yeah. 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 So I think, you know, the other thing too, something that I do, and we've just gotten in the habit of doing this now, of course, now that the boys are older, it's not they understand it. Like I can have these conversations with my seven-year-old and he gets it. We were actually just talking. We did a blog together about this age. It's pretty magical. But for the younger ones, I kind of treat it with my husband like we do water safety, which is a big deal where I live. So if we're going somewhere with you know water access, whether it be a pool or the intercoastal or the beach or whatever, we verbally hand off the kids. Okay, you have him. I'm going to the bathroom. And so I think having that awareness of, okay, you're in this room with this child, I'm stepping out. And you've already had these proactive conversations with your partner about, we're not letting our kid climb on the dog, get in the dog's face. You know, we want to keep them separate. So this stays a pleasant experience for everybody, dog included. Yes. It's it's like love them unconditionally, but don't trust dogs unconditionally. It's not, someone says, treat a dog like a loaded gun. Maybe that's a little bit too much, but I would treat them as swimming pool. I think that's actually, it's like, to me, this is how I would treat younger kids, especially, and dogs, because you wouldn't leave a child, a two-year-old near a swimming pool by themselves. So don't do it with a dog that you don't know. And, you know, like I, the tragic incident in Tennessee where two kids were killed by two dogs, right? This is like, like multiple dogs. Unfortunately, the risk, if there is attack, is higher that those dogs are going to act together. So this is just very important that we don't, if we have multiple dogs in the house and small children, bring those gates or buy those gates. Or right now I live in a different house. We just moved and it's quite tricky to, and we have a puppy. So it's quite tricky to puppy proof that house. And what we're using, it's like, yes, we have an exercise pen and we have a crate, but we're also using the cardboard boxes where the exercise pen came in a cardboard box oh. that's flat, right? That's flat and large. So my son has Lego in his room. And now you can imagine what, what will the puppy do? The puppy will eat the Lego right away, right? Like she puts everything in her mouth. So I don't necessarily want my son to have everything higher. And honestly, it's not realistic. Like he will have some on the floor. So we just use this as a divider. It's not forever. The puppy's not going to be into Lego for years. It's, you know, it's a phase as well. So right now, because we don't have a gates yet, we're just using the cardboard boxes and that works great. That's brilliant. Yeah, for a small puppy. So it's not always that you have to pay and buy something, but you can use the other things as dividers. I would imagine too that work. I'm envisioning like my aunt's dog who's, you know, old and crotchety. He's not going to be jumping over yeah. <laughs> a and, barrier. And, uh, so for older dogs, that would be effective too. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's not going to be effective for a, let's say a teenage Labrador right, that will no. chew their way through it. Right. Like that's <laughs> totally, that's just like, they will see it more as a challenge. Like how soon can I be on the other side? So of course you cannot count on this <laughs> with some dogs, but it's not that you always have to pay for something. You can also use things that you might have anyway. 
Well, Dominica, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk about this. I consider this, honestly, just a safety PSA for everybody because whether or not you're traveling for the holidays or receiving guests in your house or you have a dog or you don't have a dog, I think, you know, we're going to find ourselves as parents in situations with our children and dogs, whether it's at the park or play date. And I think it's just really empowering for parents to have this baseline safety knowledge of how to keep everybody safe, themselves, their kids, and the dog, because we all deserve, everybody deserves to feel safe. That's my my stance on it. True. 100%. I agree. <laughs> so tell people, you have some courses too. And I was just saying, like, I'm gifting your course to people <laughs> when, they, when they have their baby or right before they have their baby. So where can people find you? We mentioned your Instagram, but say it again and tell us about, you have a couple courses out now, right? Yes. And there's a new one coming. So I have, the website is called dogmeetsbaby.expert. And the Instagram account is dogmeets underscore baby. And there are two courses for new parents or expecting adopting parents. One is how to introduce the dog and one is how to train and prepare the dog for the baby. But I, for a long time, there was nothing for the toddlers or the mobile babies, newly mobile babies. So I will have a a new, it will be membership style. So it will be slightly different course, hopefully in November, December. Oh, perfect. So this will be released around just before that. That'll be really perfect timing. I hope so. Yay. Yay. Well, I know you have just a few things on your plate, moving (laughs) to a new country and a puppy and all the things. So We'll definitely link your info in the the show notes so people can check it out and be aware of it when it does come out. I'm really excited to share that. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. My pleasure.